hey, hello there. My name is Shayna Worsham, and today on Go for Set Deck, we're going to be talking to Eric West. He is really a very special position because there's not a lot of shows that have his technical position where in this team that he works with normally, he functions as both a warehouse manager and a technical buyer. So to touch upon what that is, basically it's he buys all of the difficult rigging items that might be needed for certain sets. And if there's maybe a spaceship with a console, he's the one that would go in and buy the buttons and try to match something if there's a set that we're recreating and doing reshoots for. So he has kind of more of a niche position, but warehouse manager is kind of across the board. But Eric does a little more than just warehouse managing, which is why when we talk about his position and what he does, he has a point person in the warehouse to also receive packages and to kind of assist because he's managing product placement and reaching out to different auction sites to get lump sums of stuff for the big movies he does. So to give you a little background on what he's done and to touch upon his very impressive resume, he's got to start in 491, 491, which is out in Wilmington. I did not write Wilmington when I made these notes. So Eric, if I mess that up, I'm sorry. Wilmington, North Carolina. And then he moved over to 479, which he works in Atlanta. And a couple things that he's done in the past is the first Black Panther, and I met him working with him on the second Black Panther. And he's also done Suicide Squad, The Conjuring, Boy Erased, Loki Season 1, and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So he does a lot of the larger movies, and needless to say, that requires large amounts of warehouse stuff. So we're going to get into that and a little bit about his background and... I also wanted to do kind of a fun word of the day um, today. Well, two of them, because I do a terrible, terrible description of what a Decker is in the uh, actual episode. I think that's going to be in part two. But for this, I'll just say a Decker is a two-story made cart, and it's made out of wood normally, and it's the inside of the container part is made out of or it's covered in carpet, so it protects everything, and it normally has steel case wheels. So I do a terrible description of what a Decker is later in the episodes, so I'm just going to redo that one now. And then another fun word that, in case you're not familiar with it, is audition. And a lot of the times when we say, can you audition this, it just means, hey, can you hold this up to see if this painting looks good in this section of the room, or could you move this table over here and audition it in this section? It's basically to temporary place something so the decorator can view it. And that's about it. I hope you guys enjoy. All right. Any last words before we start, Eric? I'm scared. <laughs> You're gonna I don't even place. I don't even normally do Zoom calls, so I'm a little bit a little oh, really? bit uh, You don't you know, ever get roped into Zoom calls? Just just for a little bit for product placement on the last show, but but not not so much. 
Oh, so. lucky you. I'm a little jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're the worst. <laughs> I hate them. Uh, no, I'm, um, I'm fine. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much for a number one doing this. Thank you for tolerating the storm that we have going on in the background ambiance. And uh, <laughs> could you tell me a little bit about how you got your start in the industry? Well, I was taking some time off from architecture school, actually, and I uh, was kind of burned out. Oh, wow. I, I wanted a creative job to, to fill that gap. So I had a friend who was doing set dressing, and he was really enjoying it. The role sounded fun, and it sounded like it paid well. So you know, I started poking around, asking questions. And it turned out I actually had a contact through one of my restaurant jobs. He had become a lead man. and. This guy started giving me days here and there. It took me two years of day playing before I got my first credited position. It was a competitive scene in Wilmington at the time where I'm from. And then after that position, I did Dawson, the pilot of Dawson's Creek. What? And and then I ended up working on that show for seven years. And that was where I got a lot of my training. Holy hell, seven years? You were on Dawson Dawson's Creek for seven years? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's bananas. I did a few features here and there, you know, during my downtime. But, uh, that was yeah, that was the, the start of it for me. That was where I felt like I was finally in the industry. Wow. that's Didn't you do, I thought you did some kind of work with electrical stuff. Was that not you? I thought you had an electrical background. No, I had some plumbing background because my dad was a plumbing contractor. That's but, what um, but yeah, most of my electrical stuff was that sort of um, kind of half-assed uh, set dresser electrical work. Which <laughs> <laughs> is always a fun adventure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, that's blowing my mind though that you did Dawson's Creek. So that was that was up in North Carolina. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, funny. So wild. My nephew's name is Dawson. So I hold it in a very special place in my heart. (laughs) Okay. Uh, How would you describe your role and your responsibilities for work? Well, uh, these days I'm, I work mostly as a warehouse manager slash technical buyer is what I call it. Um, I don't, it doesn't really have a name. Uh, These are on large features usually like superhero movies marvel and so forth it's not a role i think really exists outside of our like my primary crew yeah it's Um, so interesting what you do really does blow my mind you'd come in with all these things and i'm like eric what i thought you were warehouse managing and you're just like casually (laughs) creating a spaceship on the side (laughs) yeah i i originally was brought in to to manage the warehouse but my boss has kind of allowed me to grow that over the, over, you know, the course of five or six shows into what I was referring to as uh, technical buying. And to explain that, I'd say that I started doing where the warehouse role in television. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that was on one tree Hill actually. Oh, wow. And, and I was trained in that role to basically create a package or a kit for every single location set so that the dressers had literally, you know, down to every screw that they needed almost, you know, yeah, to, to create that set. So there was no time lost. That, that boss was really obsessed with efficiency and um, 
So part of that was, you know, kind of getting into the, making sure they had all the tools and resources they needed to do the job. And when I started doing the warehouse on larger features, that mindset still permeated my, my approach. You know, I'd hear about, we're going to hang 16 Cobra headlights off the side of a building, you know, and I would make sure that they, the lead man's always very busy, of course, and being pulled in a thousand different directions. So I would go and buy the hardware necessary to do those projects. You know, as that role developed, I, I, I started being given more and more opportunities. Um, I showed an interest in shopping things for spaceship movies, you know finding good deals on government websites and all of this and getting a lot of just stock stuff, you know, not, not taking it too much from a normal buyer's perspective, but just really supplying the crew with plenty of uh, good stuff to work with. Yeah. Lots of so, and technical things. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff. So yeah, they, over the years I've even started being given the opportunity to do whole sets, basically, you know, sets that sort of lie outside of the normal, the, the, the interests of our, our decorators, you know, if, if there are certain things, it's like, okay, I, I just don't have time to worry about, you know, what these buttons look like on this console or whatever, you know, I usually run everything by them, but, you know, it's, they, they've been giving me a certain amount of leeway and it's been really great. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is just building rapport with your team. And I feel like how long have you been with your current team that you guys, the ones that I just worked with you on, John and. Since 2015. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've already established, you're like, Hey, I can do this. I know what a button for a console looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And I think it helps to take the load, some of the load off of, the buying team and the decorator, you know, there, there are some things that they just don't have to worry about quite as much. And, um, yeah, definitely. And there was, it was really fun working with you because a lot of the things that I would just take on myself and I would problem solve myself. I'm like, Oh, but Eric might know because he did this other thing. So he might have a propeller type situation that looks like this propeller type thing. And then you've already done the legwork for something or the research for it. And then you can tell me about it and it, kind of just segues into team effort instead of just having to feel like you're isolated by yourself in a little sad, lonely buyer island. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I think the more we can coll- you know, collaborate, the, the, the better it is, of course. Yeah, it was great. I really appreciated it. So really quick, because I know you did mention the product placement thing. For product placement, I know that was sort of a new shift in your position where you were controlling some of it. Was that sourcing Mm -hmm. product placement or was that just receiving it and organizing it once it arrived? This time it was sourcing it, mainly because the set we were working on was something I had a bit of an interest in. And also it was very similar to a set that I had worked on on Iron Man 3, where we had literally for one set, a hundred, well, most of it was for that set, but we had a, over 100 product placement vendors on, on that movie. Oh my God. And, and so I had had to deal with all of that on that movie. So I reached out to some of the old, old familiar faces kind of thing. And yeah, um, I, it was sort of like a, a combination of stuff I knew about from the past and a little bit of research that I did about, you know, what would people be using in this situation? Yeah. 
It makes sense. Did you enjoy um, having that addition to your position or was it like, oh, this is just something that I'm kind of looking into anyways, so might as well? I very much enjoyed the front end of it. It got challenging during rap when I had to kind of manage the return of all of that stuff while doing rap. Uh, so that was that was something that I... I would probably try to manage a little better in the future, try to maybe set someone else up to to handle all of that or something. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Because you're handling rap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was very busy. So if you're not in rap and you're either yeah. on a shoot day or a prep day, what does a typical day for you look like? Well, it depends on the show to a great degree and even more so what point of the show I'm in. You know, in the beginning of a show, I'm, I'm setting it up and I'm doing kind of wearing all the hats. And then in the middle of the show, have we'll have kind of engaged another person in the warehouse uh, to, to be the point person, freeing me up to do more of the buying stuff. So assuming that we're talking about the middle of the show during filming, when I'm when I'm buying, first thing I, is I would handle my time sensitive needs, of course, you know, anything. It has to happen straight away. Uh, any any chores or orders that I need to get out straight away, and then it's into communications, checking messages, emails, looking at the call sheet. You know, and then from there, I would move into my to do list, placing time sensitive orders, contacting you know everyone I've been working with on projects, taking hardware orders, uh, talking to the shop seeing if they need anything, coming up with ideas on solutions for projects, shopping for things I know we need, but also doing that sort of more exploratory shopping where you're you know, trying to get ideas and find cool things to, to audition for the decorator or to the crew that I'm working with if it's um, you know, one of these more technical projects. Yeah, that makes sense. You're the wearer of all the hats and you're prepping all of the things. <laughs> oh, and I have to check in with my, my my point person in the warehouse, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make sure everything's going okay there, you know. And I usually try to meet with the gang bosses, you know, or chat with them. It's not always formal. Sometimes it's just, uh, oh, hey, how are things, you know, the sort of water cooler chance meetups, you know. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, then it's usually that's that's it. You know, it's kind of getting a feel for the day and then, you know, executing those things. Makes sense. I forgot to ask you about when you are warehouse managing and since you're technical buying, you're doing kind of a hybrid of jobs. You mentioned that you have a point person in the warehouse. Is that pretty typical for most of your shows that you have? You're the manager and then you have a point person in kind of doing the daily stuff? With with this particular team, you know, because it does eat up a, a set dresser position. Yeah. But it, but in that, our team gains a buyer position, you know, and sort of um, it's a bit of a I think because I can wear different hats, it, it sort of adds a, a a degree of flexibility. Yeah. Because I'll handle I'll be handling all at the same time, kind of distribution of things that come in. Uh, you know things I'm because I'm both ordering, receiving those things, and distributing those things uh, mm -hmm. to the inter interested parties. So it kind of makes some sense, actually. It's not just yeah. a, it wasn't just a, 
a way for me to do what I like, <laughs> you know, no. uh, there, there was a bit of reasoning behind it. it. It was sort of filling a gap in our system, I think. Yeah, definitely. And there was just so much receiving that, you know, I saw happening. So our point person, when I was on the show with you, that person needed to be there to receive all the packages and open things and sort them. And if there was a a weird project of moving things around or adding things to a different set or readjusting, it was so helpful that we could just go to your point person and then you could be doing your 100 million other things. <laughs> yeah, I always like to think of myself as the rover, you know, sort of handling all the odd pieces of communication and uh, little bits and pieces. And then that, that, that frees that other person up to kind of deal with the, the, the mountain of um, photography and organization and everything that needs to happen. Because I found that when I was doing the job alone, I, I got spread really thin in, in terms yeah. of doing anything else uh, that was going to help the team. And I, that, that was kind of how that role developed as I, I told our boss that, um, you know, I can do a lot more if, if you give me the resource, you know, yeah. I, I can, I can help beyond just, uh, the, the designation of a resource to the role. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, uh, the, the sum would be greater than the birds yeah. or whatever. Yeah, definitely. It makes total sense. I hear you. I kind of sidetracked you with that question. Sorry. It was just something I forgot to put in there and it makes so much sense to bring up because since you are in this weird hybrid position, that's kind of specific to the team, but is so helpful. It's like, Oh yeah, I should probably mention that there, there was a point person. So we covered it. Uh, when you organize a warehouse, what's kind of the process that helps maximize your space? Well, my process with that is that I generally, I start from the general and then I move to specificity as the show unfolds. So, well, for example, I, I try not to waste time creating a very fancy art area if I don't know, in fact, that we're going to have a bunch of art. Yeah. So I start with the known, which will be that, I, you know, I know that we're to have a lot of stuff on a superhero movie so you know i start with just general traffic flow laying out the pallet racking figuring out where you know where sort of our smalls area will be our packing and receiving areas going to be all of that so i don't know if that answers your question but i just generally that, that idea of starting broad and i and i also do a script breakdown uh, i read that i read through that script both from a buyer slash decorator perspective you know, like identifying the needs for different scenes, right? But also from from a warehousing perspective. Oh wow, this you know this is this means we're going to have, you know, dozens of uh, burned out cars that we're going to need to store or whatever. You know, so it so starts sparking the conversations about like, you know, to to drive questions from a warehousing perspective. So I, I'll right. actually read that read that script in 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 that mindset. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially if you're like going to have a, a junkyard that's in space, you're going to kind of know that there's going to be a lot of fabrication and a lot of things that you're making that are kind of big because they're not like a, I could just go to the store and pick this up at Walmart sort of situation. So you're going to have to store a lot of stuff that just gets brought in and the bulk. Yeah. And, and, you know, not just store it, but, but in a way that people can shop from it, you know, from a creative yeah. perspective, like, 
yeah, literally a parts store. <laughs> yeah. Which you did such a great job with our warehouse with that. Cause it was so easy to find the stuff that we were looking for. We're like, Oh yeah, it's, I don't think it's been put in a set. Is this something that we want to send to this set? And we could find things pretty easily because everything was pretty viewable. That's the goal at least. Thank you. Yeah. And then because you normally have a lot of stuff that's larger, would you say it's easier to just stack it pretty high or do you feel like it's kind of depending on the show? Well, uh, I, we generally like to use pallet racking. Uh, absolutely. It allows us to, you know, not be swimming in the stuff and yeah. get, get things up off the ground, uh, be able to view those labels also create sort of a flex space in the aisles. I mean, ideally we keep our aisles clear, but uh, with the amount of stuff that we have to move around, um, those aisles tend to help us create flex space, which if you did not use racking, you, you just end up with all of these log jams everywhere. That makes sense. Total sense. So, Go ahead. Oh, uh, j just the more that we can do that. I, that's typically best, absolutely. Makes sense. And then do you organize areas off by sets or you kind of mentioned it a little bit when you just kind of start out pretty generalized and then when the schedule gets pretty locked in, you'll sort of start separating it, but set breakdowns at all section. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, organizing things by set sort of the, the core of organizing our world, you know, we, we, we put all the items in an area uh, that are, all the items intended for a set in the same area. Um, we, we'll do that with the smalls and then separately with the large items. Um, beyond that, we're, we're always trying to put like with like in general, you know, if it's, if it's lighting or Glassware. certain kinds of hardware. Yeah. Um, any kind of stock items, you know, we'll put like with like, that's sort of the core of our, of our organizing. That makes sense. It, I'm sure it makes it easier to find stuff when you're like, where's that fabric? Uh, <laughs> should it. be over there with the fabrics or with it set, right? Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are some of the warehouse must-haves for you from your perspective? Well, that's another one where it depends on the show. Of course, uh, space is always great. <laughs> <laughs> we rarely have enough of that. Um, but so, True. of course, with space being a challenge, you know, again, that racking becomes super valuable. Next is small shelving or bandolier. We almost always have to have areas for tables with tables for projects. We have to have space for crew kits um, and a big area for the main kit. I'll usually separate out the trucking and moving related supplies, uh, anything to do with stuff that's kind of on the go. We usually have to have a shop space with all requirements and then varying requirements. Always have to set up a receiving area with some kind of space for photography, an area for storing used and unused boxes and packing. We all often have to have a secure area for valuable items or special items or product placement, stuff that you know, might go missing somehow. Yep, um, always. <laughs> sadly. Yeah. Um, you know, good office space, a, a war room of some sort is nice, you know. One of our best warehouses had a really nice four, what, eight by 32 table where you could just lay out tons of things to display to the decorator to have discussions. Oh, wow. 
you could have a meeting with 20, 30 people in there. That, that was an excellent space for that. Uh, so so that some, some kind of war. That one was at um, where ISS is now. Oh, really? Over on Sylvan. No, not Sylvan. What's the name uh, of the road? Sample, sampler Way. Yeah, I was about to say. In, it, uh, like in East weird... Point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was that was a great one for us. The warehouse was not the best in some other ways for us, but that, that space was fantastic. The war room. Um, we like, ideally there would be a soft goods area doesn't always play out that way on this on the superhero movies but um right that's a that's a common need some kind of lighting area for for stock lighting you know typically just if you have a lot of sets where you don't know quite what you're going to use where that's that's a that's a great one and then of course a great craft service area <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to keep everyone happy. That's one way to do it. Food. Food motivates a lot of people. <laughs> Makes sense. That's right. Um, who normally uh, does the orders for all of the shelving in your lockup? Usually, lately, it's me. Um, oh, yeah. That, that hasn't always been true, but uh, that's another one where they've kind of entrusted me that task. I'll, I'll bring in bids and so forth and have to go over that of course but uh i do the legwork and then arrange the the delivery or pickup or whatever it ends up being i I usually do the legwork and then sort of manage the installation of it that makes sense i mean you kind of collaborate i'm sure with the final plan of what it's going to look like and how you're planning to do the shelving and then once that gets signed off on it's easier if you're handling it than you know Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I've also done the layout of like I'll do several different options. I'll do like okay, well if we if we want to spend this much money, this is the layout that I would use. Or if we're just trying to fill it with as much racking as we can absolutely get in there, I'll I'll, I'll give that number. You know, um, this is what that would cost, that kind of thing. So I do a pretty careful multi-tiered layout of the space and what all that racking may cost. Do you have a favorite company that you use for your shelving rentals or not so much? It has varied, honestly. I think we've used a different company every single time. So that's such a liquid market that it tends to be who has what in stock. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Forgetting the name of the most recent company. They're in Palmetto, Georgia. Yeah, I can't think of their name right now, but... (laughs) Yeah, well, I a lot of the shows that I've done, a lot of leads will have the shelving in their kits if our lockup is kind of on the smaller side. And then with this one, because we had multiple lockups, it was like, oh my gosh, this had to be such an insane amount of shelving order. Like the order had to be so giant when you guys were doing it because we had like, what, three, three lockups? Three? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, we had. 25,000 square feet at Tyler Perry and then another probably 20,000 square feet at OFS. Yeah, it was bananas. <laughs> I don't know tracking it was, but yeah, it was a good order. Yeah, it was a, it had to be giant and I was like I just you know there's a lot of thought that goes into filmmaking that has nothing to do with what anyone will ever see at all. That's right. That's right. That's so much behind the scenes stuff. 
that's sometimes the, the drawback of my role is that it's it's very sort of off hidden, camera you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah but so necessary eric you are so necessary <laughs> essential that's good to hear thank you yeah i'm here to validate you (laughs) i'm like so low on the totem pole but like here i will high five you every single day and tell you that you're needed and necessary (laughs) um what are some of the most helpful sources that you found to help you do your job speaking of racking yeah the the pallet racking companies the 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 box company service box and tape and and uline you know, uline is still the the winner in service the service yeah. category but that's that's just for the warehouse stuff starting about a month into the, until wrap I'm, I'm on mcmaster car several times a day usually oh, yeah. and i'd say that's my most most valuable tool on some shows i've spent over ten thousand dollars a week there been, oh my gosh <laughs> been crazy and i usually do an order every single day from after car yeah there was during filming definitely during filming there was a hot minute where every single day we had shipments coming in from mcmaster it was pretty wild Mm -hmm. we had gifts so yeah i'd say mcmaster car above all else they don't even send me a ham or anything (laughs) oh (laughs) i think they should they need to send you some flowers and a a really nice meal (laughs) (laughs) exactly how do you normally deal with your shift inventory that arrives because i know you mentioned photographing and i know you mentioned your point person so if you could just break down how that normally works out yeah that's a, a process i usually set up at the beginning of the show and that one varies a little uh i'm actually working on something new right now but the the most common feature is that, uh, you know, in the warehouse, we need to know what has been ordered and by whom and what set that stuff is intended for. We need to know we need to know any notes about who it should go to or what should be done with it when it arrives. You know, so for a lot of people, a shared spreadsheet or, or something like that would work well. You know, so once we know what to expect, and I've also done it where it's simply texts and emails and that's frankly for me that's a little bit of a frustrating oh, way yeah, to work because good. it's it's not centralized right so i'm spending a lot of time digging up emails and all of this and, but it, i mean it works but it it's just not ideal uh, if you can't get enlist the cooperation of the the whole department then sometimes that's just how it is yeah <laughs> um I don't, I don't carry that much juice where i can always set it up how i would want so that knowing what's coming, you know, then we unpack it, identify it, sort of check that off. You know, that could be, that should be in some way notifying the gang boss, notifying there, you know, any, any of the stakeholders that, that are related to it, communicating that it's there, you know, whether it's the order's correct or not intact. Do you want to see it? Yeah, that's basically the, that step. And then, then we always photograph everything and um, there are varying ways to organize that. So that, that photography does several things for us. It allows us to answer questions. Uh, we can share that, that photography with, again, the stakeholders. We, uh, we use that for tracking assets later on, you know, about two thirds of the way show the way through a show i'll start building a database for uh 
to track assets that's distinct from the studio's system. And I use that to kind of point the studio assets team in the right direction. Right. Uh, because I, what I ran into, I used to not deal with assets at all, but I ran into this thing where they would come in and tag everything incorrectly. And mm -hmm. so when our team's trying to actually produce the assets that, that they're looking for, there was a ton of confusion about what was what. And, right. you know, week, weeks of painful confusion. So I try to get everything super accurate on the front end so that you know, everything runs more smoothly from an asset perspective. And then during wrap, I use that same database to, you know, I, I use my wrap database and the asset database concurrently and I'm able to update my asset database and my wrap data database with <laughs> the information about assets, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Because I have to return it. I have to turn in a report on all of that, where all of the assets are at the end. So right. It makes sense. I run, I, I run both those databases to, you know, fill out the, the box and pallet number in the, asset database and then of course to include the proper name of the asset in the binder so that it's searchable yeah and it, it's really impressive because before working with your team and our black panther team i hadn't used all the systems that you guys use i definitely used the poor man's version which i thought i was like so smart doing all the things but um, it my version was always as a buyer or a decorator, I would fill out an envelope for every order that I placed. And then I would give that envelope to our warehouse person. And then I would mark it on a, you know, a Google Doc or something that I was tracking, showing that I did this, I made an envelope for it, and it's checked off. So when it arrives, they'll let me know, and I'll know that it came in. And if there was anything weird that happened, I'll note, note it on my Google Doc and I was like, I'm so ahead of the times. And then I was not because you guys had your own like photographed and uh, filled out system that everyone was a part of. And it was, I was really impressed. I was like, damn, this is so smart. And I know Marvel has their own way of doing things where, you know, you have to have certain systems be secure and that whole thing, but just how cohesive everything that you guys had worked out was really, it was awesome because we were between not only multiple warehouses but we were in different completely different areas of Atlanta and you're sending stuff to one location and bringing stuff back down and then you're spread out all over the place so it's hard to keep track of all the stuff I'm actually a sort of a, a obsessed with this idea of having a, a tool um and and I don't know if I'm gonna ever be able to develop or implement that but I you know I I actually suggested it to entertainment partners about like with their sync on set to like, you guys are in a position where you, you know, if you could develop a, a tool where that, that worked really well, you know, the, the problem is that there's a lot of perception associated yeah. with that and decorators have their way of working. Yes. So it's, it's hard to force tools on people, but uh, from yeah. my point of view, I, I would love a comprehensive tool where, you know, something gets auditioned and then are we buying it? Yes then it gets then it becomes an object in our inventory you know that kind of thing but uh i i think the flexibility is the most important tool in, in organizing warehouses because you're going to work with different people with different 
techni- technological prowess and traditions and yeah, th- things that they like, preferences. So. Oh, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing is normally we'll defer to either the decorator or the lead man, depending on what they want to work off of. If you're working in a you know warehouse manager or buyer position, you kind of just go with what they would prefer. And a lot of the times it's everything is so different. I had one lady that wanted me to upload every single picture to this website. And it was a completely older website that's not very, it doesn't function well. And so it was not a Dropbox. It was like her personal website. And so you have to log in every single time. And in the middle of uploading 50 photos, it would log you out. So you'd have to go back where it was just, but that's what she wanted. So that's what we did. Yeah. And I've worked in the, in the print space too. And that being the type of person I am, I, I, that's not my favorite way of working because I feel like one person makes a change to this pile of photographs. That change doesn't happen to the other pile of photographs. So you get all these sort of discrepancies yeah. um, between you know, what, what one person is thinking and, and what another person's thinking. Definitely. Yeah. It's, I had the whiteboard system when things were going to arrive and everyone could see it. And I also, um, did this thing where I had a calendar. So if there was anything that was truck delivery system, I made a note of it in my phone and I was, you know, communicating with our warehouse people and like no system is flawless. I feel, but I agree. The more cohesive it is for every person that needs to see it, I think is the better of the options personally. Mm -hmm. But anyways, what is one thing that, would be the most helpful that a set dresser could do to help you not lose your mind on the daily. You know, the, the, the one I see the most, um, just apathy. So I, I just, I love working with people who care. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, you know, people who work with a sense of totality, totality of all of the processes of our department who kind of get it. Uh, or if they don't get it, they ask, you know, and, and people who want to be accountable, uh, who are, you know, able to communicate and and share information. Those are the things that are really important to me. Yeah. And that, and communication even extends into the labeling, you know. The, I, I worked on one show early on with, with this crew. And um, it was before we had really dialed in who we liked to work with. But I would get Deckers back of struck sets. First of all, they 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 didn't bother to box or label anything, so they were dumping all. I was alone in the warehouse at that time, and I would just get trucks of deckers of stuff, and it would be a mixture of different sets. Oh, I mean, striking yeah. the set, striking the set to them meant tearing it down, throwing it on a decker, and throwing it on a truck. Right. That was that was it, and so there was no sense of communication to me about what was what. I, I literally had, um, you know, I had I had deckers about that had hero dressing mixed with trash mixed with unused dressing mixed with un, unused or uh, rejected dressing mixed with dressing from another set <laughs> you know so it was just all of like the worst case scenarios and so i would spend six hours going through one decker just trying to organize it you know box it up label it as you know palletize it to to be you know sh- sort of shelved until wrap you know, just wasting tons of my time Absolutely. You know, when I was a, when I was a one person operation. So 
to me, that's like, you know, obviously an example of what not to do. So that, you know, the opposite of that is to care and ask, Hey, what do you need out of me when we're wrapping the set? You know, well, I like when people designate whether things were used or unused, you know, some really basic things like that, that they label things well. And because I don't know what happens on set a lot of times. Right. So I send these things out, you know, and at that point, that's kind of, that part of it's kind of a done deal for me. What happens after that needs to be communicated back to me. Right. You know, once it leaves my realm, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it's to the wolves. (laughs) Exactly. So I rely on those crews to, to help me out. And, um, you know, that's getting better and better, you know, as we, as we evolve as a, both a crew and, you know, I've sort of done a better job of expressing what I need to the gang bosses and to the the dressers involved. So I think that has helped. Yeah. And I'm sure a big part of that is, you know, having gang bosses there when you're rapping or just, you know, someone from the core that understands kind of what you would need to help interject without sending deckers and deckers and deckers of back of question marks. (laughs) That sounds like a nightmare. (laughs) When I decorate... That's like one of my biggest pet peeves is when we have unused dressing that just gets wrapped with stuff that we did use and Mm -hmm. instead of back to general population, because it's like, to me, I'm like, that's just a waste of money. We spent so much money on this stuff. Let's use it. Let's see it. Let's put it in there. But it's, it's like such a small thing that it only bothers me because I know what I spent on that item, but you know, like no one else cares. They're just like, Oh, it's a movie. Get it out of here. We've shot it or haven't shot it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And you're constantly living in that budgetary realm where you're, yeah. saying, well, I would love this thing, but I can't get it because I have to buy curtain hardware. Oh, wait, don't we have curtain hardware already from this other set? No, we don't <gasps> know where it is because it got curtain packed hardware. up. It is like, mm-hmm. I'm not kidding you. It is one of the hells that you cannot escape in movie making. Curtain hardware. Out of all the things. Silly. (laughs) It gets you one way or the other. It gets you with how wide it is. It gets you with the type of hardware it is. It gets you with how high the curtains were supposed to be off the ground, but no one thought about the two inches that gave you at the ring. So all of a sudden you have to have a different thing because it can't get raised any higher. It just... Oh, yeah. It's the gift of hell that keeps giving is curtain hardware. <laughs> uh, is, is there anything that is more helpful that a buyer could do to someone for your position? It's the same question about the set dresser, but is there something that a buyer could do to help you more in your position? I, I'd say it's similar in, in that sense of empathy or, you know, kind of all of us putting ourselves in each other's shoes. So in the same way that I like to let her buy a buyer know that their things arrived and that everything's good. If you want to see it, come on down, you know, that's sort of a, an inclusive kind of collaborative approach. I, I think the same goes for letting us know that it's going to be coming, uh, which obviously the pickup envelopes and so forth really help with all of that. For me, for tracking assets, one thing is uh, having photos of assets so mm-hmm. that, if it doesn't come through a shipping channel or a pickup envelope, for example, sometimes things get bought on the fly in a, in a van, let's say, and, and, and taken directly to set. And it may be an asset and it never really comes through our system. So yeah. I kind of rely on 
receipts at that point to try to figure out what is what. And if there's a photo attached to that, I'm able to actually crop, you know, grab that photo and use it in my database as the photo as I'm building that asset database to identify all of those items. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's, that's basically it, you know, that, that, I think that's it. Yeah. I know a lot of um, everyone in set deck gets very mad at buyers if they do not label their drops in general. Like if they do right. a van spurred, spree of um antique store stuff and you come off and you drop it off and no one is there you know seeing you drop it off mm -hmm. you do not label that decker of whatever you purchased you might get murdered the next day as a buyer <laughs> those set dressers and the people who have to get it handed off to or the gang bosses that those sets of stuff that you're just dropping off are going to be very unhappy with you so labeling i feel like is a huge thing that buyers yeah really get that's on. a great example yeah that, that that is something that that we that we like as well and, and it's nice to help the buyers out by creating a state you know a dedicated area this 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 space is sacred if yeah. there's something there that means it's brand new it came in after hours the, the, the tape is there for labeling there's a marker there for labeling you know it, 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 ideally it should be set up um, set up for the buyers to be able to do that and it, it be super clear you know to yeah. everyone give them no excuse to fuck up <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah I learned a really hard lesson once because um I'm someone who always labels every single thing that I bring in regardless of who helps me take it out of the car or how it is I'm too scared not to label it because I had a lead man scream at me in front of the entire team about an order that another buyer brought in and just dumped on the guys. And so because it was my set, the lead man assumed it was me who did it. And so now I'm so scarred. I take pictures of every single thing that I drop off, whether it's, you know, something for a set that it's going to go immediately to set. I still take a photo of the labeled thing and I send it to the person like either you or the gang boss. And I'm like, I have to be this neurotic because I'm so scarred from being screamed at in the middle of a whole 40 people on set it just i don't want that to ever happen again i'd argue that that is not neurotic at all that that is being accountable and collaborative you know? yeah and, and i i think that that i actually love that i i prefer to you know it's so easy for us to take and send pictures now it's like why not yeah give me all you the know? information give it all to me I want it to takes know. seconds. I, I prefer I prefer when dressers, you know, and I think a lot of me lead men demand this uh, that they photograph everything on a pickup and capture any uh, any problems with the order. It's all about just you know you're capturing a moment in time. This is how we receive these things. It also helps me if it's a purchase and I need an asset photo. Like just just take some time and snap 15, 20 photos and email them to me. You know that kind of thing. Absolutely. It's the best. It's so helpful. That wraps up part one with Eric West about being a warehouse manager. We're going to come back with Eric for part two to learn more things. Very exciting. I hope you guys join us. And a couple of the normal usual things. If you want to write us an email to contact us, it's go for set deck podcast at gmail.com. 
Instagram is go for said deck podcast. And if you feel so inclined, we have a Patreon that you can send us your monies because I won't be mad at that. And that's also patreon.com slash go for set deck podcast. That's about it. But if you don't have the monies to donate, you can always do uh, something that's very supportive for free, which is to like, review, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening from. It just kind of helps us get a little higher on the charts so we can reach out to more people. And I appreciate you. Thanks for hanging out. Be an exceptional human. Goodbye.